This video was brought to you by Stoneberg, Abedur Planner, Mr. Green, Ken Power, and Marcus Beal. Yo, what's up? In this video, I'm going to talk about my own tests. So you guys might have seen it in my videos uh, in my channel that I have some banana box tests. Sometimes I do 1000 km challenge and so on. And you might be confused. What, what the heck is it doing? And uh, the 1000 km challenge, uh, did you stop to charge or how was it? And then why are you driving at 90 km per hour in the 110s on everyone is overtaking you? So in this video, I will explain in detail what all those tests are for, why I think it's relevant and all the whole test setup and the criteria, the, the, all the rules I apply to the test. So we will just look at this um, spreadsheet. It's called TB test result. You'll find it in the description, by the way. Many, many times I refer to this spreadsheet or the, yeah, the, the Excel, uh, you, you guys see some table in the result. And this is uh, uh, the banana box test. So why did I make the banana box test? Uh, because um, I wanted to measure the space in various cars and I suspected that the manufacturer claim of number of liters in the trunk might not always correspond with real world and also in real world you might have some bulky items like like uh, uh, baby stuff uh, but uh, for example uh, suitcases and then you can't have that one unit, uh, one liter unit to fill in here. So I thought about using uh, uh, toilet paper, <laughs> but the problem with toilet paper is that you kind of you can squish them together, and they have small units. And then I ended up with banana boxes. So banana boxes has been my industry standard for many many years, and. Uh, the, you have some limitations in the sizes of the boxes and also by the way yes yeah, some of you guys wonder yes some boxes are actually slightly smaller than the other ones but that's real life you can't have exact same space as same suitcase size right so yes we just know that i have three smaller boxes i i those are like the joker cards i tend to use whenever i can but as you guys probably noticed i reuse the same boxes for every test so it's still relevant and it's still fair to compare it against other cars so um, I can show you guys that here what does all these numbers mean by the way uh, the first thing I do is that I try to fit as many as possible in a trunk without folding the seat so the trunk thing here is how many we can fit in the trunk uh, and then the plus one is actually in the front and you see that not many cars have a front um, but then and then the wait, 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 is there something else you should okay and then also for some cars for example ionic 5 you can f uh, you can recline the seat or you can push the seat also slide the seat slightly forward so i think i actually cheated and i went all the way forward with the seat on those cars i think same with the model y yeah so just to let you know uh, it's like the scenario where you have to transport uh, people but also cargo how can you maximize it with the trunk and then the, the next one here is uh, when we have folded the seats then we, we count it's it's pretty much whatever you can fit behind the seat uh, front seats without filling the front seat you, you probably notice that we we haven't filled the front seats uh, we only fill from here and back but all the way to the roof uh, how relevant is it uh, yeah i don't know it's just the way i define the test uh, I, i'm not claiming that that's the right way to measure it's just the way i figured out we should measure it um, so no stuff in the front and also we have it in the position where we can sit and drive for the well, for the driver but also for the passenger so we don't cheat and put the passenger way forward and also I'm not in a in a Toyota driving position I'm in a normal driving position so that's the whole uh, like criteria for this test 
and then so the the seats folded is whatever you can fold in the back plus whatever you uh, can have also in the front so for example 28 here uh, I managed to fit 27 plus one in the front so that's the way I count everything here the reason why I chose banana boxes is that it seems like many countries they have banana boxes that's why because if I for example choose IKEA boxes or something kind of country specific then it's harder for you guys to replicate it and that's also the baseline for my test is that it's possible for other people to do it because I do it uh, many of the tests I do it on public roads I am very transparent on what the test is all about so it's easy for you guys to verify if I'm just bullshitting with you or if the result is correct so feel free to verify my results by the way um, next one is weight not much there oh yeah also huh? why do I actually weigh the car so I weigh the car on a weighing station and those weighing stations they are regularly calibrated they, the trucks use them uh, you will notice at least in Norway they have uh, 20 kilograms increments and many times when I say it's kaput it's, it says CA on the display it actually means that it needs to be calibrated regularly so why do I check the actual weight here well first of all I want to know the weight distribution because that one you don't see it in the in the cars document and also uh, I found out that the weight in the car document is almost always incorrect it's in most cases too low so uh, many cars we check here uh, they you know if you look in the cars documents it's supposed to be lower but the real world it's not uh, it's actually heavier than that maybe because the, the the weight they have there is the base stripped down with the smallest rims and no glass roof and no extra speakers or whatever uh, and also the weight I have here by the way uh, is with 75 kilogram driver and a little bit of a camera equipment maybe just five kilograms but yeah so it's very close to the unladen weight which is a Standard. I think that's in, in Europe, which uh, requires you to have uh, roughly seven, 70 something kilogram driver plus some fuel, I think, but we don't have fuel. <laughs> so, so yeah, that's that's how it is. Um, and the, the distribution of that. So very also nice to know this, this weight. I, I gathered the, the data here, there's lots of data. I gathered it a long time ago and it seems to be relevant when we start looking at other stuff like acceleration and braking, for example. Uh, I don't know if you see, see a trend here. Uh, German, 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 German. Okay, this is kind of German-ish. German, German, German. Okay, this is a van. Pulse, uh, Wolfman is always a, was a, yeah, it's a hybrid thing. German, 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 German. This is the first American, you see? The German cars, they tend to be heavy, maybe because they have lots of soundproofing. Uh, but, <laughs> um, and also, it's also interesting to see that, for example, uh, Model S Raven here is a freaking 100 kilowatt hour battery and it weighs less than, uh, for example, uh, e-tron um, 50 Sportback with 71 kilowatt hour, but that's an SUV, so it's not fair. But let's say um, e-tron GT, for example, 93, a slightly smaller battery, but heavier than the Model S and the Model S has more space. But OK, OK, haters going to hate now. OK, anyway, uh, but uh, what I'm saying is a Tesla at least is pretty good at saving weight. They're trying to keep the weight down for having having lower weight has lots of benefits uh, for example better acceleration better braking performance slightly better consumption but the consumption part is not that uh, affected by weight 
yeah, okay, anyway, back to uh, handling, of course, yeah. Acceleration, big as a spreadsheet. So I measure this with uh, a, a device called Draghi. Uh, I don't have it here, but there's a small device. It uses GPS, has 10 hertz uh, precision. Uh, it's very well known in the in the drag uh, drag community to use Draghi. So we just mount it in. I use uh, Bluetooth, and then we measure it very consistently and very accurately how how the acceleration is. So um, and again, why do I measure this? Because uh, I can show you here that manufacturer spec. And actual uh, actual uh, speed is not the same. And also, one thing to point out is that Tesla, for the performance version, for example, high-performance Raven or performance whatever, right? They will actually, when they say manufacturer spec, they they count with one foot rollout. But then, for the non-performance, let's say long range or something, then we look at the actual speed here, not the one foot roller. That's the way Tesla doing it. Sneaky, sneaky, yes. Um, but yeah, so the reason why I measure this is because, again, the actual acceleration is not always the same as the manufacturer acceleration. Uh, and it's also interesting to see how they accelerate. Uh, some cars are very fast off the line, for example, Model 3 here, even faster than Taycan, you see, because it's so light. And again, here is also relevant to see the actual weight. Uh, the, the one in red here is because I haven't verified it. It's just based on manufacturer claim, but uh, or car document. But you can actually, oh, you can expect that the actual weight is slightly higher than this. Uh, and then horsepower here again, oh, no, oh, not verified. But again, very useful to see this one. Uh, I don't know how relevant this is. In general, uh, they don't get that many views. But also interesting to see. I learned a lot by doing these tests is that um, uh, rear wheel drive or front wheel drives, they are more affected by winter uh, tires or traction. For example, here, Frigus EV. These are winter tires. Uh, it did it quite well because it's all-wheel drive. So the all-wheel drive has less of that. Um, and another thing I also noticed is that fast cars, like this one here, 3.4 seconds. When you look at braking, um, it's two point. Okay, it's actually slightly less than. Then it's 2.7 seconds. But uh, let me fi find another example here. This one is a prime example. Raven. You see that it accelerates in 2.85 seconds, and then it breaks in. Um, 2.7 you see it's very close so actually what it means is that the the acceleration here might actually be limited by uh, grip by the tires uh, whereas if you have something slow uh, further down here uh, I couldn't have a good example, but when you have something slow, then it's mostly limited by the, the, the motor power or the combined power of the vehicle. For example, Ionic 5. Okay, we haven't tested braking on it, but uh, it will probably break in, it doesn't need five seconds to break. It will probably break in, let's say, three seconds. So there, the limitation is not in the tire. So what this means is that for the plaid, for example, uh, if we, if we put these these kind of tires on plaid, which has lots more horsepower, then it's likely that um, the plaid won't be able to do it in you know two seconds. It will still be 2.8 seconds because the limitation is in the tire. So, but again, the, the whole it's not that simple because it also depends on how how the car's ABS has been tuned and all that. Uh, so it's quite complex, but it's like a general rule of thumb that I figured out uh, roughly. Uh, but also another thing we see here is that see here German, German, 
German. So the German car seems to do it well. And another thing I learned about the braking test is that these two here, Continental Viking, Continental 7, and Nokia, those are winter tires and they have really poor braking performance. Well, oh yeah, <laughs> this one is in the wet, yeah, Pirelli P0. So uh, whatever you do, don't drive around with uh, studless winter tires in summer. So that's that's dangerous. All right, what else should we see here? Uh, by the way, the slope here. This this one I should correct it. It's it's uh, confusing. Let me set it to zero. Wait, shit. Wait, let me let me edit the data in real time. Let me copy this one because it's confusing. There there's no way it's it was saying minus eight. Uh, not degree minus eight percent grade eight percent grade is quite steep <laughs> and it's even a downhill so it was just a weird measurement uh, error from the draggy uh, and the, the, that area is quite flat so this is the one you should expect and again this is also interesting that for example a freaking Porsche that weighs a lot has the best braking performance and the same with the xDrive 40 here it's freaking heavy you would expect that it would be slow oh i mean not slow but it would be uh, bad for braking performance but apparently not because it has fat tires and again what i learned from these tests is that wide front tires you see here and here they have relatively wide front tires and also this one will actually help for braking performance but based on this I get the impression that the German cars, they are, they are doing a better job at uh, ABSing or braking than, for example, Tesla. Uh, yeah, I don't know if you guys agree, but look here, we have freaking 340 kilograms more on the, on the Taycan, but it still breaks better than the Model Y. Okay, next test, noise test. Uh, for the noise test, um, I just, <laughs> okay, I measure on the same stretch of road, well, I used to measure on the same stretch of road, uh, the same direction. Uh, and I did it at 80 kilometers per hour, 100 and 120 kilometers per hour GPS speed, not the not the speedo uh, speed because that one is usually incorrect for many cars. Uh, for example, 80 kilometers per hour on a Kona might be only 75 kilometers per hour GPS speed. So that's also very important. One thing I have to admit I haven't taken account is wind. Wind might actually also affect this. Uh, so I try to avoid times when it's too windy because I only do it in one direction. What I should do maybe is to do it in one direction then another direction then take the average of those two because I'm I don't know how how advanced I need to do all this but yes I used to measure on one lane the right lane but I recently switched over to the left lane so some of these measurements most of these measurements are measured on the right lane some of them are measured on the left lane which tends to be smoother and and quieter and that could be actually one to two decibel more quiet but anyway this still gives a guideline of how noisy each car is and also what I should point out is that I haven't analyzed the the, the frequency response because uh, in general what I, I got the impression is that German cars they tend to muffle the noise better so that you have more rumbling rather than uh, some of these other cars like uh, down here right the noisy cars uh, you have more higher frequency which is less pleasant than listening to some rumbling if you can choose so and again in general the German cars let me, let me see here German 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 okay kind of German-ish it was it was designed in München German this one is not German, okay. German, German, okay. You see, German cars, they also dominate on the top here, being the most quiet ones. And also split between summer 
and winter because at least in Norway the, the winter tires they are softer and remember that on that surface I drive on there is somewhat rough asphalt and then if you have summer tires it will create more noise it might be different in your country in France or Netherlands where you have smooth asphalt and over there it may, if you use wind continental winter tires or whatever they call it the the, the one for the continent not the, the Nordic friction tires then you might actually have noisier winter tires but that's not the case here that's why I split it because in general winter tires on the my test stretch will be uh, quieter than summer tires so it won't be fair to compare them in the same table and uh, lots of data here uh, by the way after my December I've done some soundproofing on the model 3 performance the MC hammer well this is gonna be a long video let's keep going okay a range test this is quite long um, I know I should have added a date here. I'm thinking about how to do this. The table is getting too big. That's the problem. So I have to explain here what this means. So we have car model here, right? We have the surface. We have the temperature. Um, this is like an average temperature. And then we have the tires. And this one season, it's kind of confusing for you, but it actually means the season of the tire if it's winter or summer tire. See Nokian R3 winter tire, continental summer tire. Some people, they are confused because, uh, yeah, because they think, huh? But, uh, it's it's uh it's summer summer wait huh no this oh this is correct this is incorrect shit okay uh, i fix it i fix it um but yeah so um and then uh, we have tires we have the speed and then okay why do i drive at 90 kilometers per hour because uh, actually in many countries like norway or it depends where you're going but in many places you can't cannot simply drive at 120 kilometers per hour faster if you're commuting or if you drive a city uh, or some places landstrasse bundestrasse or whatever you want to go to hallstatt or somewhere uh, where there is no autobahn all the way there then you have to drive slower and that's why i figure that 90 kilometers per hour test will kind of simulate that one and actually the reason why I picked 90 and I didn't pick 85 kilometers per hour was that in the beginning I tried some 80 test and then I got a lot of angry uh, uh, truckers behind me who wanted to overtake me in the motorway so that's why I found out that 90 kilometers per hour seems to be a good balance and it seems to also correspond with what many people are experiencing when they drive on a trip for example from Oslo to uh, Bergen, Oslo to Stavanger or if you drive I don't know in your country uh, you know country roads not not autobahn or uh, motorways um yeah then that one is relevant but then i also have the 120 kilometers per hour test where i go faster and then we also measure how it performs in the high speed test and you also see that uh, there i also uh, find out the, the watt hour per kilometer and everything has been corrected for distance error i should also explain that but when i do 90 you will see that many times i cruise at 92 93 kilometers per hour in the speedometer because i measure the gps speed uh, and we go by the gps speed and uh, many cars uh, many of you guys are confused because if for example if a car is under reporting the speed right uh, you you have to cruise at 93 uh, but the real speed is 90 and then you think that the same applies for distance, but I found that the, the distance is measured also incorrectly. Uh, depends which car it is, but um, uh, it doesn't correspond like like the speed versus the distance error. It's not always like that. So that's why I drive a, a, a fixed route that I do, 182 kilometers every time. So we don't have to wor wonder about that, whether it's correct or not. We just assume that's the 182 kilometer stretch. And then we test every car on the same stretch and some cars report 180 kilometers some cars report 180 
384 kilometers and then we apply the error and we then also correct for the consumption because the consumption is actually incorrect how the heck does the car know what the consumption is when we are driving the car measures how many kilowatt hour we pull out of the battery and then the car counts the kilowatt hour and it divides that by the distance it thinks it's driving so for example tesla which is many times over reporting distance in the trip meter um, it will then divide it by the incorrect number and that's why we have to correct for it uh, and then the, the the actually the consumption we see in tesla is usually a little bit optimistic so it's the consumption is actually slightly higher than that and then for cars under reporting distance then the consumption we see on the display is lower than that so that's you know to be as 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 um, correct as possible a b c always be correct and then i also uh, measure the capacity but i'm not always too strict about that one but the way i do this i also actually measure the actual capacity we get out of the battery so this is also something people are a little bit confused because uh, manufacturers they will state something uh, usually it's some kind of nominal capacity net capacity but what you actually get from driving is different why because Again, remember that when the car measures how many kilowatt are you pulling out when you're driving, it cannot simply measure how much the loss is in form of heat when you discharge a battery. It, that's just the way batteries work. It generates a little bit of heat when you discharge or charge it. And the, the instruments cannot measure it. So that's the, the unknown and it's variable. And with a higher load, what I've seen is that when you have higher um, current pulling out from the battery, you will then have higher losses. So if you would hammer it, you will actually get less kilowatt hour out of it. Well, at least from the display. Well, you can say that we have less kilowatt hour going into motion and then more kilowatt hour going into loss which is just heat but then some cars like tesla with octobal can actually utilize that heat if it's winter and scavenge it and then therefore reduce the amount of heat needed for the cabin so it's quite complex again um, uh, but yeah, so that's the capacity and you see that for example for Raven, I didn't bother measuring it But actually it's kind of incorrect here and the 120 test. I didn't measure it I only measure it for the 90 test because otherwise it would take freaking long time So the the most correct one is actually not 92.7 If you know kind of cheating here, I should actually say let's say 90 kilowatt hour realistically But again what I'm seeing many many times is that German cars they in general have low internal resistance and um, yeah, for example here, I actually measured both these two took a long time. Well, actually it didn't take too long because it has kind of short range, <laughs> but it charges fast. That's why I bother doing it. But you see that we have very little difference between the low speed or the low load versus the higher load test. But then some other cars, I don't remember what which one it was. There was a big difference here. It was like, what the heck? It was a huge difference. I'm not sure if this was just uh, incorrect or... Uh, not accurate numbers reported by the car or not, but yeah, so um, At least that's how it works. I'm not sure if I measured this one or I just applied some general rule against it And then we have the kilometers range uh, and then the miles here and then this one is kind of also uh, Cryptic what the heck does it mean? Well, it's actually the range you get if you well, I don't remember it myself. How was this again? 
uh, yeah, you can see the formula here. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's the the range you get if you charge to seventy five percent and then you discharge it down to ten percent. Because you see, we we use only sixty five percent of the battery. And why is it relevant? Because um, if you charge to seventy five percent, how long does it take? And now you guys start seeing something here that uh, fast charging cars like what is this one? Yeah, Taycan, 80 minutes, that's fast. But I see that most cars, they do it in roughly half an hour. Oh, what the heck is this? X oh, yeah, so most cars will finish in roughly half an hour to 75%. And I chose 75%, not the 80% industry standard, because some cars, they tend to go kind of slow towards 80%. That's why I think it's a little bit unfair. And then how many people actually charge to 80% on a regular basis when they go on a road trip? Well, it depends because Tesla people, if you use Tesla trip planner, you might even be advised to leave at already at 50% because Teslas they have pretty good range and good efficiency whereas some other cars uh, you might only charge to 60-70% but so if you try to take the average how many people charge to 60-70% how many people charge to 80-90% then I think 75% is a good average and I actually don't follow the industry standard of 80% I, I don't know why they made up 80% so but I just yeah go against the stream and then this one here the last uh, column here is also kind of cryptic but wait uh, it's just copy paste in many places here uh, I was wishing that there would be a formula somewhere uh, yeah um, hmm. yeah okay I copy first the formula is in the spreadsheet that I have saved locally but this one here is also somewhat important because this one tells you about how fast you are actually charging in kilometers per hour, not in pure kilowatt. For example, Model 3 Performance here has pretty high number, but also the Taycan, it charges like a boss. So how many kilometers per hour do you get by on average charging to 75% from 10 to 75%? And here you get an idea of how fast it is because, for example, you see that fat e-tron in winter it doesn't charge that fast. I mean, it has a nice and flat charging curve, 150 kilowatt, but if you take into account the, the efficiency, then it's not that fast. And the next test is the 1000 kilometer challenge. So the, the background to the 1000 kilometer challenge is that I keep hearing those uh, fossil lovers. They say, oh, but EVs are not good for long trips. Uh, it takes too long to charge and so on. Uh, or EVs need at least 1000 kilometer range before they can uh, consider it. Well, first of all, do you actually need 1000 kilometers of range? Because I used to own a freaking diesel. I own several diesel cars. I had the BMW E61. I had the Renault Laguna 2, uh, 1.9 liter DCI with 70 liter tank. I managed to actually drive from uh, this was this was done in 2004 i think or three i don't remember i drove from oslo to buda 1200 kilometers with the renault laguna 2 in a single tank without refueling but i had to stop several times to take food breaks because that was a 16 hour trip so because that was through norway but of course if i would drive from here to um um, to for example uh, for example Hamburg that's also roughly uh, 1200 kilometers I would also have to take several stops on the way there because it would also take roughly I don't know 10 hours so the whole 1000 kilometer challenge was to see if I can finish 1000 within 10 hours that was the original challenge and I did it with a Tesla and I think back then I, I couldn't make it but it was close close enough uh, but I had some charging breaks where I also took some pee break and uh, food break and it was feeling kind of relaxing 
and from there on I started making 1000 km challenge uh, but okay th so there are some constraints with the 1000 km challenge which is that we drive on public roads we have speed limits usually 110 120 kilometers per hour speed limits uh, it, originally I started from Germany and I drove uh, through uh, Denmark and then Sweden and then back to Norway roughly uh, but to do it more consistently from start from my home I had to start from Oslo and then end up at Helsingborg and then back again so that roughly becomes 1000 kilometer and uh, the test is to simulate a typical driving scenario where you drive through uh, I don't know in, in Germany or well maybe not Germany is not relevant but at least in many European countries you have lots of motorways and on average you can usually average maybe 110 120 130 kilometers per hour when you're actually driving unless you're stuck in Stau um, and also so you have speed limits even in Germany uh, you know in daytime you have to follow some uh, traffic anyway you can't just hammer it so that's the whole idea behind it that you you can't I, I don't go too fast you know I don't hammer at 160 kilometers per hour because that's not relevant in many places um, and what else yeah and I also include the charging stops uh, so that's included but I don't count how many charging stops because I don't want to focus on how many charging stops each car takes because I want to just take the charging stop uh, to make it as fast as possible so it actually means sometimes that we charge only to 50% we charge for 10-15 minutes only which is not in a way not realistic because many people they will probably charge a little bit longer uh, but we are just trying to measure what the, the car is capable of uh, at the maximum speed so maybe I should re redo or change it so that uh, by default I charge to 80% every time but that's also not relevant because some people might only charge at 60% especially with Teslas uh, so I don't want to strictly follow that one but okay and then I also try to uh, supply all the information as much as I can here about uh, what our kilometer the average speed average speed is including charging stops by the way and I also have the date since we have space for it I actually don't count which tire it is which is kind of irrelevant but I guess not too relevant here um, and also sometimes I do night runs sometimes I do day runs and I also had a video recently about deductions but because remember that we are comparing different cars here so I also need to deduct from time to time if some somewhere irregularities happen so that uh, every run is as fair as possible as if it would be on the same day with the same conditions something like that so in case we have an accident or in case there's stau or something uh, in one day then uh, it would be fair to compare it against other cars something like that also include the price here because that could also be uh, relevant to see next one I started doing is degradation test so um, again uh, degradation test is uh, degradation is also very important because if you've considered buying a car uh, then you might wonder hmm how how well do they age so again I this is the, the road becomes as I walk on it and um, we we try to count it we see which car it is we see the, the testing date I had um, just manually input the age of the car here and then this is the odometer in in uh, 1000 kilometer uh, yeah yeah and then we have I try to estimate cycle I'm not sure if this is a good one just try to make it more useful because if we only look at percentage of degradation it doesn't always make sense but so I try to estimate cycle but uh, just bear with me because on these numbers don't trust them blindly they are just guidelines roughly this one is the gross capacity which is the the actual capacity or the total capacity for the whole battery 
but then what matters is actually the net capacity when it's new and for some cars I have the net capacity some cars I don't so I just have to guess based on lots of other things I know about that car um, and then we have the actual kilowatt hour I get out of it and again um, when we look at uh, we can go tap into the BMS on many cars uh, on the OBD port and we can find something called state of health in many cars many of those cars are just we call it for batteries way all, like all over the place so for example um, if you look at Seoul for example the Kias they will report high state of health and you think that oh the battery isn't good health but when we actually measure it we find out that the, 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 or the, the state of health is way lower than that so that's why I not, don't trust state of health it's just like a guideline I guess the BMS thinks it knows roughly how much it is but it doesn't it depends on which car it is and also uh, one other thing I, I should mention is that uh, for, for most of these tests, I will actually charge the car to 100% and then I discharge it by driving slowly I just choose 90 kilometers per hour because I think that's good enough If you hammer it, if you have hard acceleration, you will then have some losses And that will mean that it could look like you have more degradation than it is, right? But the reason why is I do it like I do is because I charge it and then I discharge and then I measure how much you actually get out of it because that's what matters how much energy you get out of it because what is the purpose of having that car are you do you own that car just because you're going to charge it up no you own that car because you drive it because you discharge it and as the battery ages you will have more and more internal resistance in the battery when you have those uh, dentures whatever it's called when the, when the lithium batteries start degrading and that means that an old battery has more uh, internal resistance. I also noticed this that when you when I test the new cars in the range test, you know when I talk about this tab <coughs> uh, The net capacity I get here is close to what the manufacturer claim, but as the battery ages the the the, the actual kilowatt hour I get from it differs more from what the car thinks it gets and the rest is, I guess, in in degradation. I mean, in um, in heat loss because of increased internal resistance. So, because some people disagree with my method, they say that no, you should charge up the car, and then you know how many kilowatt hour you pull from the from the uh, grid, and then you try to charge up the car again uh, in two years, and then you know how much you pull from the grid. But I disagree with that method because. Uh, they could be for charging for, for charging some cars like Tesla if it's cold or if it's hot It might run some background stuff to pull extra hidden like phantom drain that you don't see um, Some cars if it's cold it might even pull extra to heat up the battery or cool down the battery so uh, and also the the efficiency of the of the onboard charger might change or it might actually be different oh yeah the, the efficiency of the onboard charger also depends on uh, if you're charging on one phase and how, how many amps you're charging at so that's why I think that just looking at charging is not correct by the end of the day you are discharging the battery when you drive it and that's the way you should do it okay so right very long explanation here the, my reasoning behind it um, and then we find this degradation number which is uh, well you can take 100 minus this one to get the state of health if you want to look at that one instead but again just looking at this one what I learned after taking so many degradation tests is that 
the age over here doesn't matter too much. I mean, it still counts a little bit, but what counts is the odometer. And then by the end of the day, but the, the odometer is kind of unfair because uh, Tesla with a big battery uh, needs less cycles than uh, BMW i3. That's why I also kind of, yeah, invented the whole cycle thing here. And also I made this kind of degradation based on cycle to kind of rank them based on how much they drive versus the degradation. Uh, again, it's not 100% correct, but uh, it gives you uh, it gives you a guideline. And then the end of the, by the end of the day, what I'm saying is that the Kia Soul, as you guys see here, this generation here degrades more than, for example, e-Golf. That's what I found so far on this by testing this. Uh, but then I heard that the 30 kilowatt hour generation has a different chemistry and it's way better. So I, eventually I will test that one. So again, this is very useful for people who consider buying an ESOL because back in the days I thought, oh, ESOLs are great. They have big battery, they have active cooling and all that. Whereas eGolf doesn't have active cooling. Well, it turns out that eGolf actually degrades better <laughs> or it has lower degradation. So if I would buy second hand, I would also consider eGolf. The only problem with eGolf from what I also heard is that the parts are expensive. So uh, stuff starts breaking on eGolf. I've seen it breaking charge port, broken this, broken that uh, stuff in the car. And then it's really expensive to repair versus Soul. So, <laughs> but I don't have any repairs test for that one. Okay, Sunday driving is kind of short one. Uh, just as more, more like fun. It's not a standardized test. I do, I mean, uh, yeah, uh, it's not too strict rules, uh, but that one, just for fun, I drive and I have HVAC off. Yeah, I should mention that when I when I test um, range test here, I will always have HVAC on and automatic. I try to keep it at 21 degrees Celsius. Some um, German cars that tend to be a bit stingy on the heat, then I might crank it up to 22 degrees Celsius. But when it comes to the Sunday driving, I turn off uh, HVAC or I have it on, I call it only fan, which is I switch off if it's kind of warm outside, I switch off the, the compressor and only run the fans. I call it only fans. <laughs> and then uh, what you usually, what happen, happens is that like, like here, you actually get better range than VLTP. Many cars, you, you get really good range. And this one is more like for fun, more like scenic route for fun. And we drive a little bit and we see how efficient can we actually get those cars, right? And then this one, the Arctic Circle, well, what, do I have so many tests? Okay, Arctic Circle, I kind of stopped doing it because it takes too long, but I had those Arctic Circle runs. And the reason behind that one was that um, I wanted to see how uh, some cars will be able to handle uh, an area without um, high power chargers. So uh, I went to the north and also it's, it's kind of like similar to 1000 kilometer challenge. Uh, the route is actually, I have it here, it's 953 kilometers from Oslo to Moirana. But it's, go, it's via Norway. So you see that the average speed here is way lower. Even the fastest car has the even lower, 82 kilometers per hour. If you look at here, way higher average speed, 82 kilometers per hour is, yeah, here, some of the slower cars here. So <laughs> just to give you an idea how slow it is to drive through Norway. Uh, this one was also kind of like scenic route and at least on the way up I hammered it on the way down I took it easy and um, the times here is I wanted to see you know the advantage that Tesla had yeah Tesla had very good point here because 
Back then, there weren't too many high-power chargers, and this was actually a test requested by many people because they wanted to see, okay, but Bjorn, you're always driving on uh, good highways and with lots of high-power chargers, but how does the car uh, handle it uh, when you're driving on places with only 50 kilowatt fast chargers? Well, this was the case where uh, roughly half the route had high power chargers and half the route didn't have it and we had to suck on 50 kilowatt and that's why again Tesla was dominating here but now it's a completely different story that route now has more high power chargers that's why I stopped doing it because then other pe other cars will also get on the top <laughs> I'm just kidding no but again uh, it takes a long time I'm usually away from home two days or yeah that's why I stopped doing it it was too time consuming it got lots of views and all that but uh, yeah it just takes too much because I have a baby now but yes so that one is uh, fun stuff and then Yale I think the last one yeah so the Yale test here this is actually the old one you can see that the, the, the dates are quite old so uh, the Yalo test here was just like a test I would see if I could make it to Yalo, which is uh, at a uh, thousand meters over sea level. And uh, back again, I wasn't sure what I was testing. I was just seeing how many percent we will arrive with at Yalo and then uh, how many percent, no, no, I didn't know, how many percent we need, yeah, to spend to get to Yalo and then how many percent we need to go back again. Uh, and then totals, so I kind of rank them, but uh, again, um, the, the range test could also tell this one the only difference is we have a little elevation change right and then we have also the consumption the range test could, could already tell this one and then okay the charging here we have a little bit this is a, like uh, some cars might colgate but I also did this in summer and so on so so the whole uh, yellow test this this is the old one I have a little bit I didn't test too many of those but I also started doing the new yellow test which is I will always um, yeah I only do this in winter and I will soak the battery and then I will see and then the new yellow test is more focused on what kind of winter capabilities do we have like is the radar heated do we have heated wipers uh, how fast does it heat up when it's soaking coal? Uh, do we have a headlight washer? Does the back get smooth? the back of camera stuff like that that matters that um, many people don't test so Yeah, um, I would say uh, this is a bit of getting too long But you see bottom line is that I'm trying to make test and test stuff that people want to know and that other people don't have right because uh, yeah, like I'm, I'm giving you guys answer on test that doesn't exist. That's my my takeaway from my test now. So um, I don't know. It's a very long video, but uh, hopefully this gave you guys some insight in the, uh, why I tested like this. And yeah, uh, I might change some of it. But if I change some of the stuff here, then I might have to redo a lot of the tests. But I think it works kind of fine by now. We we try to keep it simple, but also give. Uh, some relevant results for people and I think many many people who watch my videos my 1000 kilometer challenge or um, Yellow test even I remember was one guy he watched my yellow test the old one and I was like ah oh, you, you could make it to Yellow with an e-tron 50 you just have to charge up a little bit So then he went for the e-tron 50 right and some people they watch my other videos But on the box or 1000 kilometer or range test and then based on that they figure out what car they want uh, so that means that my test should be useful and relevant right so anyway i think that's going to be it for now i hope you guys enjoyed this video as always thank you for watching and talk to you later